All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate number 48. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today we are celebrating John Cougar Mellencamp and Sting's 70th birthday. It's amazing. Yeah, early October, both of them turned uh, 70 within a week of one another. That's a heck of a week that you know happened back in 1951. Sting, I think, was October 1st, and then about five, six days later, uh, Mellencamp came along. Yeah, you know, uh, two of the biggest artists of the, the late 70s to the late 80s into the early 90s, and he's still going today. Yeah, I mean, they, they just put out basically yeah. in the same month new songs. So, yep. and we, we featured them on Tunes Mate, one from Sting, and then Mellencamp collaborated with Springsteen. So, they're both at it and we'll keep talking about all this music that's coming out from the pandemic. And here it is. Yeah, I really think we're seeing that. You know, you've been doing that classic artist and you've been saying for a while, I think we're going to see this a bunch of music come out of the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, between uh, Billy Idol and Tears for Fears and, you know, Adele, you mentioned, oh, you know, you did a couple weeks ago and uh, Sting, Mellencamp and Springsteen. I mean, it's just, I uh, keep Brian Adams, you know, all these, uh, right. Erasure, right. You know, all these, all these uh, folks are putting out new music. And yeah, like you said, it, you know, they're both Sting and Mellencamp, both cel- celebrating 70 and both putting out new material. Yeah. So we figured, why don't we do our top five from each of these artists and yep. count it down for you. So want to start with Mellencamp? Yeah, we can. Uh, Sting was born first, but yeah, let's start oh. with Mellencamp. Okay. This is kind of a first would be last kind of thing. All Sounds right. Sounds good. Sounds so, good. So on my Mellencamp list, I started with Small Town coming in at number five. It's one of those songs where you hear it, it gets to you. And that one line in there, the always yeah. saying, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to die in a small town, just <laughs> always just kind of, just kind of stuck with me. You know, I was like, wow, you know, being someone grown up, not really thinking about when you're going to die, and you hear this catchy tune telling you that, it makes you pause for a second, and think about life. Yeah, small town's got a, it's got a, it's catchy, right, and it, it appeals to certain segments of the population who are from small towns and it's kind of like their anthem, right? You know, and uh, so it's catchy. I, I catch myself singing it, but I'll be honest with you. I hate it. It's um, and it's because it's because I grew up. I, and again, it's funny because I hate it, but I still catch myself singing. It was just on the other day, as a matter of fact, and I caught myself singing. I'm like, why am I singing this thing? And here's why, because I grew up in a small town and he has that line in there about people let you be who you want to be. And I'm like, that is the biggest line of bullshit that I've ever heard Mellencamp ever say in his life because growing up in a small town, that was not my experience at all. So I get, I mean, I get the appeal and I'm not critiquing. I'm just saying, I'm not critiquing your choice, but I, I can't, I can't take that song, man. But, but I get why it's popular and I get why people like it. It was hard. I mean, I have I think 10 runner up songs yep. and I remember Mellencamp, I think he interviewed him. I went to go see him back, I think in 92, whatever that tour was. Yeah, we, yeah we saw him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember they interviewed him on the radio, and he's like, what are you going to play? And he's like, I don't know. I got so many hits. It doesn't matter what I play. And I was like, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he is. He is. And his, uh, his greatest hits is something that my wife and I listen to a lot. Sometimes we've had trips where that was the one thing that was just like, this will definitely work. And yep. He's got so many of them. All right, what do you have at five? 
So my number five is interesting because if, if we had done this poll, say, 35 years ago, or so let's say 30 years ago, right, early 1990s, and we had done this, this would have been probably number two, maybe even number one. And But in, in t- over time, it's really kind of slipped down my list a little bit. And it's his biggest hit, Jack and Diane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it's 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 his biggest hit uh when you know his number one is his one song the hit number one you know the the lyrics are something that you remember the lyrics you know you remember the kind of telling the story of these kids outside the tasty freeze and all that stuff and so you mm-hmm. know it's memorable and it, it slipped down my list but it's still pretty significant so it comes in at number five yeah and and, and that's my number four yeah i picked that as well and same thing it would have been higher I always remember the music video yeah, because it was one of the first they played and they had those hand claps Yep, and it was very significant because they, they paused. There was like a, a very strange kind of like freeze kind of pause kind of thing that happened in that video. And I, it just, so part of it's the video, part of it's that guitar riff and, you know, sucking down a chili dog. I mean, <laughs> come on. What other songs are talking about eating chili dogs? Not too many. Right. It was, that's part of it is that he used lyrics that you don't often hear in a song, you know, and he, and he made it into, you know, in, it made it into a memorable song. Yep. And I remember the drummer and his name slipping my mind, but he's all, he also subbed in the chicken foot band, but the drummer said that Mellencamp really made him push hard to come up with that drum beat in the middle, you know, that do, 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 and that was, that was yep. all the drummer. He had a, he yep. came up with that to make that song unique. And I that's the other part, I think, is that part of that song, it's kind of like that Phil Collins drum solo in the air tonight. Oh, yeah, Very that simple. comes in and that makes the song. I mean, it, well, that and then the bass line after that make the song, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so it's it's there's so many things in there, and I can see why it slipped down just because I think it's just overplayed. But, yeah, I'm there. Well, number four, I got one from the 90s, uh, Wild Night. I love his, his remake of Wild Night. I think it was just really well done. Uh, Michelle and Cello, you know, adds to that. Mm-hmm. It just got such a great, I mean, it, it really it kind of, you know, it's one of those things about, they talk about if you're going to remake a song, you know, and you're not going to make it better, don't bother remaking it. And this was mm-hmm. a case where he took a Van Morrison song and he made it like better. He, he, he and Michelle and Cello made that song memorable. I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So came in at number four. What do you got at three? At three, I've got Pink Houses. Now, this is another overplayed song, but there's just something about it that makes you think about like Americana. Yep. And it's just it's just one of those songs. I don't know what it is. There's a part, it's like a vacation down at the Gulf of Mexico. It really yep. shit melts out that line. And yep. you just remember it. Yeah, definitely memorable. The line, there's so many lines in there, you know, boy, someday you're going to be president, you know, the, the pills, the kill and all the, and that's why it's at my number three too. So we got the, the we got the same one there at three and uh, pink house. I used to use that in class years and years ago and hmm. I still make references to it. It's an interesting song. And uh, one of the reasons I, I like it is because it is, it's a commentary on America. You know, it's, it's uh, little pink houses for you. Ain't that America, right? That's the line. And, and it's about the American dream, but it's also about sort of the, eh, the American, you know, like all those crazy dreams, they kind of came and went, right? That idea that, 
you know, we have this this notion of American dream, but in some ways it's kind of it's not reality. You know, so uh, so I always and it's it's interesting because um, it's one of those songs kind of like that, you know, some Mellencamp's, are, you know, r- practices a rather liberal politics. But in 2008, uh, John McCain used it as part of his uh, presidential campaign. In fact, I think you might have even gotten a cease and desist from Mellencamp about that one. But it's one of those cases where like like Springsteen, Mellencamp, right? You got these these music artists who tend to be uh, kind of. Uh, lean toward the liberal side, but they write things that also appeal toward lean toward the conservative side, and it, that that that's that mix, and that's where it speaks to that Americana that you talk about. That mm-hmm. you know stuff that kind of has uh, appeal, um, kind of both sides of the political aisle. Yeah, and you made me think about. I think when this song came out, there was an you could probably look it up on YouTube. There was like an MTV. Win a pink house with John Mellencamp, yeah. and yeah. I remember that, and it just always cracked me up. Yep, I remember that. I mean, yep. what a contest! Yep, that's the yeah, yeah, the like the early days MTV. They used to do stuff like that. That was kind of fun, like that. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So, what do you got at number two? All right, number two, we're getting up there. This was R O C K in the U S A. Yeah, there's just something about that song. He really knows how to create a song that you sing along to. He references a lot of the artists that he just pays homage to all his influences. And it's just something that when I first listened to that song, I started learning about all these other artists. I knew nothing. And it really sparked my curiosity into, you know, into the foundations of rock and roll. Yeah. If we were doing a top 10 list, that probably would have made my list. It kind of just, you know, fell a little short of my top five, as you said, sort of paying homage to the to his influences. It's a, it's really like, you know, it's it's an homage of to uh, rock and roll history, you know, and the the, the mixing of black and white art artists and the coming together of different styles. And, uh, you know, like you said, his influences coming together and, and putting it all together in a, you know, in, into a top five song. Right, Would you have it too? So my number two is one of his first uh, songs, Ain't Even Done With The Night. I love the feel of this song. It's it's probably the song that if you're most likely to catch me singing a Mellencamp song, this is the highest probability the song I'm going to be able to, I'm going to, you're going to find me singing that, that, you know, we ain't even done with the night, the way he kind of is almost an Elvisy feel to that. Right. And, you know, but with a kind of, he's got a higher octave uh, to his voice, but it's just that the, the feel of that, that song really kind of really gets me. That was like at my number six. I just kept <laughs> flipping back and forth because I like the keyboards in that song. And I, I like yeah. the message of that too. And I had another one that was one of his first hits too. I need a lover. That one kept yeah. flipping in and out. Cause I just remember the only thing that would drive me crazy about I need a lover is that the intro was like three yeah. minutes long or something. I was yeah. like, Come on, can you get to the song? I mean, I remember I had the cassette. I would like fast forward to like when he started singing. Yep. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> is this the instrumental yep. version? I just, I, I didn't know. So that's, that's why that fell down lower. <laughs> yep. It must be something about like, want to be a lover. I, I need a lover. Cause you know, like, Prince's want to be a lover has that at the end, right? There's that outro that goes on for like 80 years. And then this oh, yeah. has the intro that does, you know, stick the two of those together and you got a whole album, you know? Yeah, sounds like a good mashup. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Here you go. 
Yep. So, you know, these songs, right? So, you know, these ones, we have some differences here, and, and but the ones that, that kind of make my list, you know, I'm just missed yours, and the ones making your list just missing mm-hmm. mine. And yeah. So we're at number two. So what do you have at number one? The one you said earlier, Wild Night. It's just yeah. something about that version. And I, I like the Van Morrison version, too. But there's just something about the bass, the way yeah. it does the duet. And I don't know. I mean, he did another song that was a remake as well that was Under the Boardwalk that I really mm-hmm. like as well. He does a really good version of that, but that didn't chart. But this song, this remake, definitely one of the best covers, I think, of all time. Yeah, yeah. I said that earlier. I'm glad you mentioned the bass line, too. I didn't mention that. And I think that that's really, I mean, that 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 really grooving bass really kind of helps make that song. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your one? So my number one is uh, Cherry Bomb. I love this song. I love the feel of this song. I, I like the lyrics of this song. You know, I really kind of came into, I mean, I was interested in music before that, but 1987 was when I really, like, you know, became the music fan that I still am to today. And Lonesome uh, Jubilee came out that year, and this was the second single after Paper and Fire off of that. So this is winter of seven of 87, 88, and just that, you know, that part of it is that time period to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was my time period of just engulfing myself into music. But it, it's also the song. I love the feel of this song. Yeah, it's great instrumentation. I mean, there's yeah. there's something about this period where he was using that kind of combination. I think it was like a mandolin. And I know he had a really... He was inspired at this point because after this, there's a couple other albums that sounded like it, but he never kind of captured this period again. And I really think that's a good song. And I, I always fall between this one and check it out. I don't know why, but they're similar to me. Like I, I, sometimes I, I sing one song over the other. So that's that's, that's kind of why I couldn't put it in my top five because they kind of cancel each other out. It's really weird. Right. Right. Well, you're, you're, you're good. The instrumentation, I think you raise a good point. That's, his use of uh, violin on that album, right? You know, sort of fiddle was yes. You know, I mean, it's in it's in all three of the big hits. If you look at Paper and Fire, Cherry Bomb, and Check It Out, and and I agree, Check It Out is another great song. I mean, I can hear that in my head right now, and and mm-hmm. feel of that. There's a certain um, nostalgia to this album, right? And, you know, he's you know we've talked about his kind of you know looking back at his influence and stuff influences with the ROCK in the USA, but this whole album, you know, the, there's the line from Cherry Bomb, that's when a sport was a sport. You know, and the video is home movies from, you know, from, you know, a couple de- decades earlier. And and uh, Check It Out is like that. It's about, you know, now I'm, you know, uh, it, it, he says the line in Cherry Bomb, 17 is turned 35, right? That that idea that I'm, you know, in my, I'm in my mid-30s to 40s now, you know, and I'm looking back at what it was like to be a teenage kid. Uh, and um, check it out has that same, you know, playing football with the neighbors on Sunday, you know, check it out, you know, here's my life, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, there was a whole, that whole album really kind of builds around that theme. Yeah, I 100%. The interesting thing is it was John Cougar, then John Cougar Mellencamp, <laughs> then John Mellencamp. I was waiting for him just one day, kind of just say I'm Mellencamp, you know, and just, and then even go shorter and like kind of do a Prince thing, but he never did. So I was waiting for it. You just kept getting shorter. So, I'm just camp. I mean, because that's my segue into Sting, you know, Sting yeah. was just 
always sting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's never Matthew Gordon Sumner, is he? Nope. He never <laughs> went by that. <laughs> yeah, so Sting, yeah, he's uh, born a few days before Mellencamp. He's 70. He's got a new album out. And uh, so for our top fives, we considered Sting and the police. So it could be, you know, from Sting's solo career mm -hmm. or it could be from the police. And yeah. so uh, what do you got at number five? Well, this was really hard because I, <laughs> I really had to go back and realize how much of the police influenced me because I started out with the Synchronicity album. Mm -hmm. So I could probably put every song off that in my top five but that was just that wouldn't make sense so i, I had to kind of peel it back so i have roxanne at number yeah. five and the reason i picked roxanne is there's an interesting thing where eddie murphy was singing this i believe it was in um 48 hours eddie murphy was singing this song and i always think of that it makes me laugh and then there's just something with this puff daddy used it later for yeah. a remake yep. and then sting came in on that version and actually yep. you know it went top 40 so there's just something about this that even hip-hop artists like sampling it and it just you can't get it out of your head it's uh it's memorable well and i always think of the it was when he hosted saturday night live and uh, i mean there's a couple memorable skits there's the the copier guy right with uh, uh rob schneider you know sting -a -ling -a -ling ding ding right, right? but uh, but there's also the one where I think, I'm pretty sure it was David Spade, like ends up in the elevator with Sting and he's like, oh my God, it's Sting. And he just starts singing Roxanne, right? And it's like, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, the, the the annoyance that everybody, every oh, you're going to meet Sting, so you're going to sing Roxanne at him, you know, and and it is. So it's that, that it's just so memorable. Yep. Would you have a five? Yep. So my five is from the police, it's from Synchronicity, uh, wrapped around your finger. I love yeah. The feel of that song, the mellowness of that song, the video. I think when we did our video countdown, I talked about this back then. I just, uh, the feel of that song and video, I they just stick with me 40 years later. Yeah. Like I said, I could have put everything off that synchronicity album in my top five, <laughs> but I didn't. So it was very hard. But that, that, was, that was there for a moment, and I, I pushed it out. So what do you got at four? Right, four. This this is a strange one for me, but it's it's sort of some of your reasoning you had to some of the songs on your Mellencamp list. So I have When We Dance, which was a later mm -hmm. hit in the nineties, but it didn't yep. didn't go that high. It wasn't a, a high charting hit for him. But there's something about this song that just always is relaxing. It centers you. Yep. It makes you think about just life. Yeah, I I agree. It very well could have made my top five. It was one of those ones that that came up just short. I listened to the heck out of Sting's greatest hits album, which is the album that had that on it. And um, I I mean I was running my my own chart back then, and that hit number one on my chart. Uh, I think you're right about the feel of it. It's got this really sort of mellow feel that makes you feel you know just kind of well it's kind of like i was just talking about with uh, wrapped around your finger yes. right but but in some ways you know uh more uplifting kind of and 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 it's just yeah it just feels uh really good in that way would you have it for so mine is uh kind of similar um it's uh why should i cry for you 
again, I have these memories of listening to it on that album, on that Greatest Hits album, although it's from his Soul Cages album. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I have the, the, I mean, I had the Soul Cages album, but I remember listening to it off of that, that Greatest Hits album that I, again, listened to death out of in like 95. And why should I cry for you? The, the feel, and there's that part where that, I'm not sure exactly what instrument it comes in at the end and it's got this kind of boodoop, boodoop kind of feel at the end. And I just, it just, it gives you that nice little mellow, just I'm chilling and I just want to hang. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we dance could have taken the place of that, what I think in the end, uh, why should I cry for you? I end up liking just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I did the same thing. I got that greatest hits from sting and I still listen to it. Yep. I, I, I still do too. I got it. It's uh, it's just sitting like right over here as a matter of fact. And I mean, it's just, it's, they did really well, I think with that album in terms of the, it's not in put, it's not put like in historical order, right. you know, in chronological order, uh, like Mellencamp's is for instance, but, um, but it, they, they picked a really good flow of songs the way that they put those Great. on there. And that gets to me to my number three, which was uh, another one. Again, I remember listening to it off that album. It's from, uh, you know, Nothing Like the Sun, which is an incredible album. But uh, it's a fragile and fragile to me is I mean, it's only number three on my list, only because the two above it, I just like on a personal level Mm -hmm. more. But to me, fragile is quintessential sting. It's a a commentary on life, right? How fragile we Mm -hmm. are. And um, it's got the kind of, again, that mellow kind of feel to it. You know, that you talked about instrumentation with Mellencamp, you've got that going on here. And it it just, it feels like Sting probably as much as anything that I know. And and it's to me such a beautiful song. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm just, I I can hear it in my head already. And there's been so many covers of that song. Mm -hmm. If you listen to, you know, smooth jazz or, anything like that. There's just been so many covers just because it, it, it lends to that yep. genre, but nobody can do it like Sting. No. <laughs> so what do you got at number three? The number three is leaving right off with when we dance, I've got fields of gold. Yep. There's just something it's similar. It's similar to the same kind of feel, but this song actually got more airplay yep. and definitely still does today. And it, just always, once again, same type of feeling of when we dance. Yeah, again, it was that that time period in the mid '90s. There, you know, when he um, he had these this great feel to these songs, and Fields of Gold is one of them. Interestingly, uh, one of my most vivid memories of that song was a number of years ago when the um, Winter Olympics, when Michelle Kwan went for her third time trying to get a gold, right? She had a silver and a bronze and she was like, you know, the, you know, how many time world champion. And it was finally, you know, Mm -hmm. is this her shot to finally get a gold medal in the Olympics? And she didn't get it. Um, And, you know, she's one of the most decorated figure skaters of all time to not never get a gold. And they did uh, after all the, the regular competitions were over, they did the sort of, exhibition event where people pick a song they like and they do stuff and she did a, a routine to to stings fields of gold right so the the meaning right there and the meaning having just you know lost her last chance to get a gold and i just uh i mean i remember i mean getting you know welling up you know tears in my eyes watching this it was just beautiful 
and and it, it partly was because that's such a beautiful song yeah there's just there's something about it just instrumentation it's sting yep there's you know there's uh, rick beato is a youtuber and he actually recently did a, a whole breakdown he breaks down songs and he basically says like no one can play like sting sting has a very specific way that he writes and puts instrumentation to songs and this is a perfect example of that yep. so what did you have it too so number two we go back to we, we've been talking about sting for a while but for number two i go back to the police mm-hmm. i i loved growing up every little thing she does is magic i remember i used to play that and just like dance one of the most frenzied dance like you're talking you know safety dance kind of you know just bopping up and down just dance the whole song out kind of you know you see a little bit of that in the video um you know because it's just sort of a them hanging out kind of video but i used to just crank that thing and just every little thing she does is i mean it's got that that policey you know feel to it that you know just kind of kind of like roxanne and stuff you remember it it's kind of you scream it out and you you just go crazy with it and i love every little thing she does is magic i agree it's it's my number two as well (laughs) We matched up again, and it's the same type of thing. It kind of has like a reggae kind of beat thing to it a little bit, and it just always puts you in a good mood. That's it, the, the good mood. Yep, exactly. So what do you have at number one then? All right, number one was hard. There could be so many songs by Sting. You know, I'm looking at my, my runner-up list. Once again, I look through everything. You may notice I had no representation off synchronicity. Yeah. So this is... Every breath you take, yeah. Just because that song, we've talked about this in the past, could be one of the top songs of the '80s. Yep. But there's just something about that. The and I, I remember, you know, there's we talked about this in the past in the podcast that this is a song where Stuart Copeland and Sting got into a huge argument, and Sting said, "I wrote this song, so you're gonna play the drum beat mellow." Because I guess Copeland wanted to just play it like all over the place. He's like, no, I just want a steady beat. And right. if you think about that song, it's it's that steady beat yep. that keeps it in your head. So he was right. And yep. I want, that led to him to finally break off solo. He's like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to leave. I'm going solo. <laughs> well, and it is. I, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, that's the song that, as you said, one of the biggest hits of the 80s. In fact, I mean, if we were talking, we were doing a list of the most significant sting songs this would be number one you know on my list without a doubt if i was making a list of uh we've talked about it in the past uh you know the the biggest hits of the 80s the most significant hits of the 80s you know if i'm making a list of that this is my number one because uh it it wasn't the longest run at number one that was physical by olivia newton john but it was close it had eight weeks at number one it got overplayed i mean i the, the standard argument is well it got overplayed well of course it did and that's part of the argument of, you know, it was so popular. It was so popular. It was one of the biggest hits of the 90s when it was sampled in I'll Be Missing You, right? Exactly. And it was just, it's, it's so memorable. As you said, the, the, the way the drum line goes, the way that sort of ticking bass goes, right? You know, it's not a, you know, it's that song that was for years used kind of as a love song, but we all know now it, no, it's not, right? It's really actually a really creepy song. And the the way he sings it is it kind of lends to that, and the 
the drum line and the bass line really kind of lend themselves to that. And so, you know, it's a, it's a great choice for a number one song. And the only reason it probably isn't up there in my mind. And if we had done this list, you know, kind of like with Melanchia, we had done this years ago. Mm. If we had done this list 30 years ago, it's probably number two or three on my list. And it's just because over time, sort of my, my tastes and my, you know, my, my thoughts on some of the songs have changed, but mm. it's, it's every bit worthy, you know, of being right there at number one. All right. So what major one? So my number one, it would have been my number one, even 30 years ago, would have even still beat out every breath you take. I love Be Still My Beating Heart off of Nothing Like the Sun. I, again, there's, you know, we talk about Mellencamp and that winter of 87, 88. This was sort of late winter hit, you know, um, top, top 20 hit. Uh, the second hit off of that album after We'll Be Together Tonight. I, I, ever since I, I just remember even in the spring of 88, just that song caught me. Uh, the video had a mellowness to it. This is again, that sort of quintessential sting. There's a, you know, that sort of mellow feel to it. In fact, you know, if you remember back in college, I used to, uh, for a semester, I hosted a radio show called the Sunday night cool down. And I'd come on it. What I come on at like midnight on Sunday night. And uh, for a couple hours, I would play for four hours. I think it may have been 10 to two or something. I'd play like all slow stuff, right? All mellow stuff. And I started every episode with Be Still My Beating Heart. You know, the idea that we're going to slow things down. We're going to get mellow. And this was my song to do it. Yeah, no, good choice. It's interesting because that was on my runner up list down there. I also had one that is similar but i remember the there's this thing just has so many songs it's so hard i did love (laughs) the song love is the seventh wave which was kind of a reggae beat kind of thing and it was kind of that same time period but no that didn't make it too many songs too many songs from both (laughs) these artists sting mellencamp I don't think they've ever collaborated together, to my knowledge. Maybe, maybe they're the next. There you go. We'll hook them up. There you go. They listen to our podcast, and and that'll be the trigger that makes it happen. Exactly. They can do, uh, you know, maybe a cover or something like that. Make them. (laughs) (laughs) Sting and Melon Campbell will cover uh, "Eyes Without a Face" by Billy Idol. And there you go. And, you know, we didn't even talk. I mean, it's so many, and that's it, but yeah, that's your point, you know, about love is a seven. I mean, we did, all this time could have made my list, you mm-hmm. know, spirits in the material world, you know, could have made my list. Even Demolition Man, there's a certain feel to that song. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one that, you know, folks don't yeah. remember. Well, here's one. I was going to say, I was looking through the, you know, our, our Billboard, you know, Top yep. Hits Bible, and I'm going through there, and I'm like, wait a minute. Sting's only number one song solo is with Brian Adams and Rod Stewart. That blew my mind. Yeah, Sting's only hit number one twice, and one was the, the Police Every Breath You Take, and the other one was All for Love by Ass Adams, Sting, and Stewart. I don't think that's how they released the uh, the acronym <laughs> on the uh, on the sleeve. I think it was Adams. S. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sass. <laughs> right. Well, but even, but you know, even the his new stuff is really good too. You know, if it's love, is a really 
really nice song and it it feels kind of like all this time and it's uh it's really good or even uh another one i i kind of hadn't really thought about a lot uh if i ever lose my faith in you i always you know, like that song years. there's just something yeah. that harmonica in there and then they also had yep. brand new day was off that album yeah which yep. was good and what was the other one don't know nothing about you i remember that got yep. some airplay i mean there was a lot of songs nothing. off that that album yep so and that's it that's it with both of these artists you know you know we were talking before this uh, you talked about Mellencamp, you know, his mid 90s stuff like he West Intermezzo, right? You know, I can still remember that. I saw you first. That was in my top five for the last couple of days trying to put this list together and it just fell out. Yep. There's that there's another song where you think he's gone and then he, he came back in the yep. 90s. And yep. he hit. So but that's the sad thing about today, you know, it's that's why we're featuring these artists on TunesMate. You know, we're calling them, uh, you know, classic artists. Is because their music is not getting played on traditional radio. So, listen here on TunesMate. Check out artists like Sting, like Mellencamp, like all the ones you were mentioning. We're going to continue to to feature all this music that's coming out of this pandemic, and it's been great to honor these two artists that just have so much great music. And happy birthday to them! Yep, happy 70th birthday, Sting and Mellencamp. Amazing. It is. It was fun going down the countdown. This will wrap up our episode 48. And, hey, we got some interviews coming up in the future. Have a couple on the horizon, so stay tuned for those. We always have some crazy countdowns, Ray, up our sleeve. Oh, yeah, we're working on some. We got a few more in the works. <laughs> See, you can't stop us with our. But if you do have some suggestions on some countdowns you'd like us to do or anything else we'd like to cover, we have, you know, we're constantly you know, still featuring all of our, I guess, platinum topics on TunesMate. And we want to remind you subscribe to our podcast, follow our blog. So I guess until next time, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray.